Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Court of Owlets Discussion. I'm Joe, and I'm joined by V and Muse. Hello! Normally, we're a comic podcast that uploads weekly, where you can check the show notes for which comics we cover that week, and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. With no new comics out this week from DC or Marvel, we decided to talk about some past comics which made us feel very happy inside as we read them. So, we thought that we would share those titles with you. And with that out of the way, we are going to get started with V's comic. Oh, okay. So, I chose for my run Gotham City Sirens. No surprise there. It was created by Paul Dini and Gil March. Some other writers and artists took over in places because it went on for a while, from 2009 to 2011. Basically, it takes place after Final Crisis, Blackest Night, and The Heart of Hush. Catwoman is still injured from the Heart of Hush event, and so has difficulty fighting a sort of garbage-tier villain named Bone Thrasher, Bone Crusher, something. Sounds like he's from the 90s. He's kind of a mess. He's like, I'm Bone Crusher, and he like <laughs> is threatening like this sweet little couple in a dark alley. And he's just like, I gotta make a name for myself. Like, he's auditioning to be a villain in Gotham. <laughs> it's so cringy. And then Catwoman just shows up to put him out of his misery. Well, she's fighting this terrible villain. She starts to have trouble with her heart. All of a sudden, he's got the upper hand, which he shouldn't because garbage tier villain. Ivy shows up and takes him out and grabs Catwoman, brings her back to the hangout, where Catwoman discovers Harley and Ivy have been shacked up with the Riddler. But oh. it's really the Riddler's hideout, and he is under Poison Ivy's mind control from her spores. And she's like, yeah, this isn't ethical. I gave you guys billions of dollars after Heart of Hush, you know? After she got her heart back and she started to go on this personal vendetta against Thomas Elliot, she took all of his billions of dollars, divided it up between her, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy, and they all went their separate way. Well, Ivy donated the entire portion to the rainforest. Of course. <laughs> and Harley Quinn bought a ton of toys and gave a bunch of money to her family. <laughs> so they don't have any money. And so Riddler is suffering because he had a place to live and they wanted it. So after she convinces them to let him go, <laughs> and he does not take it well, they kind of embark on a bunch of sort of adventures together. As I said, it's after Final Crisis, so Batman is no longer in the picture, but there is a replacement Batman with Dick Grayson. So between him and Catwoman, they're sort of running this scam to keep Ivy and Harley off the streets. So Catwoman is sort of in the process of turning them into anti-heroes with her. Okay. And she does that by <laughs> bribing them with money. That's the best way to do it. I mean, that's what they want. But you don't have to do crime to get money when you have a sugar mama. <laughs> so Catwoman. Is she stealing this money from the Wayne Foundation? Or is this just... No, here's the thing. <laughs> Catwoman isn't a sugar fuel junkie. And she isn't donating all of her funds elsewhere. She's keeping it. She's investing it. She's saving <laughs> So she has a bunch of money. She gets their hideout a facelift. She makes it nice. They're not living with Riddler anymore. They're living in a nice place. So there's some problem with a villain who owned it before them. He comes back, frames them for stuff. They have to bring back the Riddler a couple times. And it's always begrudgingly because this poor man cannot rid himself <laughs> of these chaotic women. But he'll it's like do it for Nygma's Catwoman. their pet. A little bit. He hates Ivy's guts, but he loves Catwoman because she saved his life right. from Ivy. Yep. So there's that duality. But at one point, he does get into a lot of danger because of them. And he's like, never mind, I hate you all. 
So <laughs> very like petty. Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, I get it. So that's where we are with those guys. At the beginning of it, there is a sort of setup to kind of let us know that Catwoman is in Batman's pocket, but Ivy and Harley can't know that. So how they solve that problem is they have Ivy basically try to torture it out of Catwoman because she has truth serum spores and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. To prove that she's on the up and up, they want Batman's secret identity. And Catwoman's like, oh, well, the fact is Batman is several people. And she convinces them that he is like a ton of people from all over town. Commissioner Gordon, Thomas Elliot, Bruce Wayne. That is hilariously smart because she's not lying. No, it's true. And she goes down a whole list. But Harley Quinn obviously gives pushback because she's like, no, no, no. The Joker said Batman is one man. And Catwoman's like, do you know how many times this guy's died? (laughs) People keep putting on his costume, then they die, and then another one picks it up. The last Batman died, and there's a new Batman. And they're like, are you sleeping with the new Batman? And she's like, no, I have (laughs) slept with a couple others. And they're like, okay, well, she can't lie into the serum, so I guess she's off the hook. And they're just kind of all a little bit shocked, but I mean, he's not. Oh, that's right. She's it. telling the truth because it's Dick right now at the current mm-hmm. <laughs> situation. I <laughs> love that. Awkward. And so that was one of my favorite intros in this comic. So I was like, okay, mm. this is gonna be good because this is a smart comic. It's fun. It sort of has that Batman the Animated Series feel from Paul Dini. Who can write Harley Quinn and Ivy's yeah. dynamic like nobody else? So he does this great job setting up the world, setting up Catwoman's motivations, and it's all very clean and fast-paced. They have like a bunch of mini stories, but they all sort of lead into that overarching story of Catwoman's redemption of these two villains. Catwoman sets them up like with this really beautiful home, and I think it's like in issue seven. There's a holiday special, which is my favorite issue of this series. The place gets destroyed from a big boss fight. Each of the women goes their separate ways. And they kind of go back to their safe spaces. Harley goes home to her family. Ivy goes off into the forest. Catwoman builds their new house and spends Christmas with Damien and Dick. That's sweet. They have drinks. They talk about life. Dick tells her what to do. She gets mad at Dick for telling her what to do. She's (laughs) like, you're not my boss. (laughs) And Dick's like, oh, Bruce, how did you control her? Something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. It was one of those things where it's like, she's sort of uncomfortable with them. She doesn't really know them that well. Right. And Ivy goes off into the forest to be away from people. And then she sees poachers taking advantage of people. And she's like, ah, I guess I have to get involved. She realizes she doesn't like plants that much more than people like she thought. And then Harley hates her family. Her family's the worst. (laughs) And so they all end up coming back together and just home sweet home. And there's this one character who's recurring, and it's the Carpenter from the Mad Hatter's Alice in Wonderland gang with the Wallace and the Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the Carpenter's this woman is a real Carpenter. She's licensed and everything. <laughs> Catwoman keeps hiring her to fix everything they break. <laughs> so she's over there, like, fixing up their new place. They include her in some capers. I thought she was a nice character to showcase. So, like, the whole these people working together and constantly having that reinforced that they're stronger together makes the second half of the series sort of more traumatic. Later on, it becomes us Paldini's baby and more of everyone's baby. (laughs) And we're sort of leading up into the new 52, so gotta wrap it up. Right. Mm. So what happens sort of fizzles out. 
we have some good adventures along the way. I highly recommend the series. Highlights are Talia convincing Zatanna that she needs to wipe Catwoman's mind so she doesn't reveal Batman's identity, and Ivy destroying a town to get Catwoman back. <laughs> the horrifying reveal when they realize that Catwoman lied to them and that she does know who Batman is and she's not going to tell them. And Zatanna realizing that she was being manipulated by Talia because Talia was insecure because she knew Batman loved Catwoman more than her. She thought that if she erased Catwoman's memory of Batman, she could have Batman to herself. And so um, she totally tricks Zatanna into doing that for Batman's good. Oh my gosh. Well, I think Damien at this point would be happy about that. Well, no, no, no. He had a nice christmas with Catwoman. it was a mutual respect at yeah the time. but this was the point where damien's still like no my father is going to get back together with my mother it's oh. not until later oh where... he was still the brat yeah I, I don't think he really grew up until actually ironically tomasi's son of batman run in like new 52 he really did humanize damien a lot by giving him john because john was able yeah. to tease out different elements of his character that made him really likable yeah but when Dick came in, he was like, I'm not letting him get away with any of this. Like, So he definitely put more of like a leash on Damien of what he could and couldn't do. And that's why they have a good relationship with the comics. There was also something along the lines of, too, of like when Bruce did come back, Damien was like, listen, you're supposed to be my father, but then you disappeared. And Bruce is like, you're right. I wasn't there for you. He's got like divorced dad guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want a pony? Damien seemed to work better alongside Dick than mm-hmm. he did when Bruce was back in the cowl and he was like so jealous of batman's attention it kind of made him horrifying brat like you get his motivations you're like i don't care i don't want to read about him but yeah i did think like dick did a really good job with him and i liked him in gotham academy too with olive and maps maps i ship them they're so cute (laughs) (laughs) that would be my other comfort food because gotham's academy such a good series very wholesome very child friendly okay so finishing up sirens let's talk so some other highlights I wanted to mention that might make you interested in it, might not. Aside from that whole event, there was a really great recurrence with Thomas Elliot, who as we know got ripped off by the sirens. Mm-hmm. He comes back for revenge, changes his face to be Bruce Wayne's face, and oh, convinces no. Harley Quinn to run away with him. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay. In an effort to kill her and lure Catwoman, who he knew knew who Bruce Wayne was, and knew Mm. that Bruce Wayne would never run off with Harley Quinn, he's trying to convince them all to get into this place in the situation where he can murder them all. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It gets chaotic. Yikes. And Catwoman can't reveal how she knows that Bruce Wayne is not Bruce Wayne because Batman would be back if it were really Bruce Wayne. Right. Oh, man. So that's fun. That was a fun time. There's also a a point where Ivy falls in love with a guy, and it's super funny because she goes to Star Labs as a normal woman. She gets found out by one of the scientists. She ends up convincing the scientist to work for her rather than killing the scientist, and she goes and discovers an alien plant form, person plant hybrid like her, and he convinces her to fall in love with him, changes her genetic makeup so now she's like purple. 
convinces her to become his queen. They're going to take over the world. They're going to bring all his plant people to Earth to recolonize it. And Ivy turns on Harley and Catwoman. There's this big showdown where she says, you know, I will put flowers on your grave, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh my god. Like, that's a nice gesture. Harley's like, listen, we've both been down this path. I know what it's like to, like, find a guy who just seems perfect who wants you to betray all your values for him. And she goes through this whole thing and she gives this really heart-touching like speech to Ivy, sort of setting her up as the relationship advice master mm. of this group of women who all have been <laughs> sort of jilted by their lovers. And she ends up like telling Ivy, once he gets what he wants, he's going to betray you. Because that's just how users work. And Ivy's like, you don't understand, this is real love, this isn't mm. Joker. And then she tests him, he fails her test, and she straight up murders him on the spot. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I mean, Ivy is known to kill when need be. Yeah. So, like, you forget it from time to time, too. Well, she can change her body chemistry at will at this point. So she's just like, I'm just going to switch over my body chemistry. Because, like, you're kind of like, oh, is she under a spell? No, she was in love (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) She switches up her body chemistry so it'll be toxic to him Mm -hmm. and kills him. And then she turns back with her girls. They go home. And after this, Catwoman's like, Harley has really good advice. Feeling poorly one day, Harley's like, come on, tell me what you want to talk about. I used to be a psychiatrist sit down tell me the problem so she has this really weird complaint where she's like sometimes i feel like he doesn't even see me you know he just sees what's next he sees gotham he sees the task at hand but he doesn't see me as a person and i was like well that's out of left field she's never had that problem before is it because it's a different writer no it's a setup so that harley has like a little triggered and she's like, oh, we've both been betrayed. That's how I feel about the Joker. <laughs> and Cat was like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to go kill him. And Cat um, was like, no. <laughs> because she and Ivy know the minute Harley gets in Joker's vicinity, she immediately reverts back mm-hmm. into a Joker fangirl. Right. And they're like, no, you should stay here. She has a plan to break into Arkham. And it's like a very convoluted plan, but she's got it down to a science. Mm-hmm. It involves hurting a lot of people. And she's like, I didn't want to do it, but to kill Joker, it's for the best, whatever. (laughs) So she hurts a lot of people. She gets in. At some point, she does betray Ivy's trust and Catwoman. So Ivy's like, let her wash my hands of her. The climax is that she gets in. She finds Joker. And all of a sudden, it's Harley and Joker taking over Arkham, killing everyone. Batman shows up. And you're like, what? And then he and Catwoman stop her. Like Batman Dick Grayson or Batman Bruce no, Wayne? Bruce Wayne shows up. It's, oh, man. It gets weird because like at that point, like Bruce Wayne had reappeared, but it isn't explained in the series that well, mm-hmm. so it kind of just becomes... It's more of like you have to read the other stuff. Yeah, but it doesn't tell you what to read. So it gets choppy towards the oh, end. Oh, that's an editor problem. Yeah. So it got weird. It does sort of fizzle out with all the girls breaking up. She puts Harley back into Arkham because she's crazy. So Ivy goes to murder Harley. And then she changes her mind. She kidnaps her, detoxes her like it's a drug, straps her down until she's calmed down enough to be reasonable. And then she convinces her to kill Catwoman with her. And they have a showdown. Involves them yelling at each other and being like, you've betrayed us since the beginning. And Catwoman's like, yeah. I mean, you thought I had trouble (laughs) fighting that loser? No, I faked it so you'd help me. The city was in chaos because there's no Batman. And 
Dick was taking everyone out who was going to be a problem. And she's like, I didn't want you guys to like get involved in that and end up being taken care of. She's like, I wanted you to stay free. And that was the deal I struck. Keep you guys out of trouble and you'd be free. And she's like, well, I don't like being manipulated. You betrayed us. We're going our own way. And it sort of fizzled out. It was sort of a lame ending, but they kind of had to wrap it up fast because New 52. And now... I mean, it None sounds great, though. It was fun. It was a That had to have last. been, like, a pretty short run. 26 issues, I think we said? Yep. I read through that fast. Also, I forgot to say, introduces another side of Catwoman's sister, Maggie, and her descent into madness. Because oh. after Black Mass tortures her, didn't he, like, kill her husband and, like, feed his eyeballs to her? I think that's what he did. He did a lot of horrific stuff to her, broke her mind. I think it wasn't a Catwoman Yikes. run. Oof! It That's got harsh. Dark. Brutal. Yeah, he like tortured her to get back at Catwoman. Like some black label stuff. Black mm. Mask hates Catwoman, and he is a total monster. What are you talking about? He sounds so great in the Birds of Prey movie. Little Yankee Doodle over there. <laughs> I haven't even seen it, but I've looked at the trailers. He looks like the kind of guy who go, "Does this tie match my boutonniere?" And you're like. I, don't I mean, like that's what him. he has Zaz to, like, approve of his outfit choices. Zaz is an insane psychopath who marks <laughs> his victims on his own body like a notch in a bedpost. I don't get those two. I... It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Wait, Zaz is in the Birds of Prey movie? Yeah, he's Black Mask, secondhand guy. I barely even saw him in the trailers. He's the guy with, like, the bleached 90s blonde hair looks like a hairdresser i'm sorry the zazz in gotham probably is much better <laughs> well i actually really want to read this it does sound really good i did not expect it to be so short that's why it's been on my reading list for a while but because it's only 26 issues i can definitely go through this in a weekend yeah you're good and it sounds fun because again like paul dini I absolutely trust his work, and he does have an amazing voice when it comes to Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and their episodes in the Batman animated series were at least a couple of my favorite ones. So how many comics do you usually read every Wednesday? Because you read a lot. Um, <laughs> All of them. I like to at least cover the DC titles that are on my list. So it's anywhere from like five to eight titles that I read on a Wednesday. Okay. And how many Marvel titles are you reading? On a Wednesday, none. I usually read Marvel throughout the rest of the week because I don't review Marvel. All right, let me ask you this. Based off of a Wednesday haul, oh, on how a haul? much do you read per week? So you're asking for the total of my haul? Yeah, because I'm thinking it's well over 26 issues. Yeah. It is. I think I counted 50-something issues in total in my pull list. I'm sorry? That's not how many I read a week. Of everything that I read, I think it's like 50-something titles. I have 24 DC titles, 22 Marvel titles. Boy. Jeez. So add like the couple IDW, Image, Boom, Dark Horse titles I read. So about 50 issues <laughs> in my entire pull list. Oh my gosh. So yes, I will definitely be reading Gotham City Sirens. And now on to my personal favorite, Venture Comics from 2009. That was written by Jeff Johns for the most part, and the art was by Francis Manifold, which, as you all know, is my favorite artist. And I am so sorry for butchering your name, dude, but the colorist was Brian either Bucoletto, Bucciletto, Bucciato, Bucciolato. 
I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry. Somebody please clarify. But Venture Comics, I think it went up to 14 issues in total. My favorite story arc was issues 1 to 7, where it mainly focused on Connor Kent after he came back from the dead after the events of Final Crisis. And he is trying to figure out his life. So he decides to go to Smallville and he tries to act more like Superman. He has his own little journal of things that Superman has done. He lived in Smallville, he went to Smallville High, all this stuff. And then he also had a list of things that Lex Luthor did because he had also just recently found out this time that he was half Luthor. So he's trying to figure his life out, which at the end, of course, like every other thing, he decides that he is his own person and that he can be acting his own way. He doesn't have to act strictly like Superman and he doesn't have to devolve into acting as evil and egotistical as Lex Luthor. Yeah, I loved this run as well. It was so good. I think I've mentioned this once before. I got to meet Francis Maniple at New York Comic Con and I got him to sign a couple of my favorite adventure comic issues. He was telling me how adventure comics was such a impactful and like pivotal moment in his life because this was the run that he decided that he wasn't just going to draw what people asked him to draw he was going to put his unique style into it in what he wanted and this is actually what had his career soar as a comic artist he even told me how you know if it wasn't for him deciding that for in adventure comics he wasn't sure how many opportunities he would have currently if he just continued to just do what everybody told him to draw and that he is such a huge fan of connor kent and to further implement connor trying to fit into smallville he had drawn cowboy boots on connor to show this is him trying to fit in while living in smallville and trying to get another understanding of clark and how he may have lived there so I'm mainly talking about like the first seven issues, eight if you want to count issue zero, which really starts to run. A couple of my favorites were issues two and three and six and seven. Number two is my absolute favorite. That has to do with Connor and Cassie getting back together. I loved watching them grow up from Young Justice into Teen Titans, and I was really sad when Connor died in Infinite Crisis. This was their kind of their moment of sparking their relationship up again, which in 2010, at the end of the Teen Titans run, they ended up just being friends because Connor needed some time to just be Connor Kent, not Superboy, not Cassie's boyfriend. Issue three of this has to do with Connor and Tim reuniting again as best friends. He goes over to Paris because this is at the time where Tim is trying to unprove that Bruce Wayne is alive. So he's going through all these great lengths, which coincides with the Red Robin run at the time, where Rachel Ghoul, I believe, is also putting Tim through some tests or something like that. Yeah, and he loses his spleen in the process. <laughs> Poor kid. Wait, what? Yeah, no, he gets stabbed in the spleen by Rage, and because it stabbed him straight through like the side where his spleen was, he had to get it removed, like surgically removed. So later on oh, throughout God. the run, he's having to take medicine because now he has an autoimmune issue. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because your spleen's one of the things that houses your antibodies and stuff. So Dick is really concerned and like, stop going in sewers, Tim. You have an autoimmune <laughs> disease, like st issues. Stop it. I left for five oh minutes. What did you do with your spleen? <laughs> <laughs> I need you to explain. 
this is right before that, and it does coincide with the Red Robin run. There is an issue in Red Robin, I think, takes place around this same time. It's before, because this is the first one that he sees him, and then Tim just embraces him. It's, like, the sweetest moment, because he's like, hey, friend, and Tim hugs Aww. his best friend, because Tim's been going through so much. But... Anyway, going back, yeah, so Connor and Tim reunite in this Adventure Comics title, and this is when Tim basically says he's getting frustrated because he is trying to prove that Bruce is alive and nobody believes him, and Connor does. Connor's like, you know, I believe you, buddy. I'll help you however I can. Also, as a Tim fan, this is when he tells Connor, hey, while well, you were dead for over yeah. a year. Yeah, he tells him so. Me and Cassie may have started dating a little bit he's like yeah i know cassie just told me the other day it's all right i was gone we're okay <laughs> though to be honest it was just a really sudden it was a sudden really short thing and it was not gonna be going anywhere they were both grieving and i think they just needed somebody it was just one of those weird things. We're well, better as friends. That would have been an interesting dynamic after the fact. We're just like, ah, oh, so you both needed a rebound after me. I see. <laughs> I think that was one of the things I did like about that was it was like, ooh, the rebound. And then I lasted like, what, maybe an issue or two where they were like, do I like you? Do I not like you? They kissed really only like once. Actually lasted a couple months. But it was, it was still really short in comic time. It was very short in comic time. Everybody was making comments on it diana made comments on it bruce made comments on it donna made comments on it the teen titans made comments on it and then it was just kind of forgotten at that point it was like nah, it's, yeah it's a water under the bridge we're moving on we're still friends well, We've because been friends. then connor came back and then both of them kind of like made the point it was like well thank you for emotional support i will be <laughs> doing the usual and then like, yep. i will be doing the usual <laughs> i love tim he's a I'm very not kissing you <laughs> He's a very professional person when it comes to things like that. Like, okay, this wasn't going to work out. But if you need to reach me, here's my business card. It was like one of those, well, we won't speak of this. Shake hands and I'm go separate ways <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, pretty much. So that was that one. And then issue six of Adventure Comics was Lex Luthor comes back to Smallville because he is trying to kidnap Superboy. Along with his buddy Brainiac. And I forgot about this. He's trying to do a cloning process thing again. I love the Brainiac Lex Luthor dynamic so much. Yeah. It is so hilarious because you have this all-knowing being trying to cooperate with a man who thinks he's an all-knowing being. And a megalomaniac. <laughs> so also during this time in Smallville, Lex's niece, Lori Luthor, starts having a thing for Connor. Connor finds out that she's a Luther, so he immediately stops flirting with her because he's like, oh, we're technically cousins. I'm not doing this. So he goes to Lori's house. Lex shows up because he found that's where Superboy was. He's like, how ironic that you're in my family's home. He tries to prove to Connor that he is a good man, that he can save the world. And Superman gets, I've heard this spiel before. Superman wasn't in your way. You can save humanity. You can stop world hunger. You can stop cancer. Prove to me right now that you're a good man. Save your sister because Lena Luther is basically in a vegetable state tied to a wheelchair. Lori has been watching over her mother. They have been upset with Lex because Lex abandoned them to go to Metropolis to make a name for himself. So Connor puts him kind of in the spotlight of like, prove to me that you're a good man. Cure your sister of whatever she's going through. And then Lex is like, okay, I can do that. Fine. But you have to do everything that I tell you to do. Otherwise, I'm going to kill Lori. And puts a gun to her head. And then... 
Sure's a good man. I know. Connor's like, I'm faster than a speeding bullet, you know? He's like, hmm, at this range, maybe when you're older. Oh, I love the black stance. It's so great. Jeff Johns, I swear, does a really great job of writing Lex Luthor. He really nails down that I am the smartest man in this room and I will prove it to you. So Lex has Connor go on this scavenger hunt basically throughout time. Has to send them all the way to prehistoric times to grab a whisk fern and bring it back to Lex. And then Lex is working with a pestle and mortar and this thing makes into a drink. Connor's like, okay, so that's what's going to cure your sister? He's like, no, this is to help me think. And he's like, I just had to go to the fortress, steal the Legion's time sphere, go back in time to the freaking dinosaurs, get chased by a T-Rex to get you some, like, brain-thinking juice? He's like, this is part of the process, Superboy. <laughs> you want me to cure my sister? I need help. And Whiskfern T does it. So then he sends him throughout, basically, like, a Euro world trip, going to, like, Themyscira to grab, like, a bone here, go to Atlantis to grab this here, or whatever. Grabs all these different ingredients, gives it to Lex, mixes it all together, injects it into his sister. His sister starts to walk and speak normally. Starts to remember everything, and everyone's like, I can't believe it, you cured her. He's like, yeah, it's so nice to see you, sister. Beautiful as always. Injects her with another thing. Turns her back to how she was. Why? He wanted to prove to Superboy. He's like, I did what you asked. I cured her. I proved to you that I can be a good man. <laughs> Lex giveth, Lex taketh away. I don't think that's what he meant. I Like, can be a good man versus am a good man. It's, they're different things. He literally said miracles don't exist, but Lex Luthor does. Oh my gosh. I don't think there is a bigger ego in all <laughs> DC. I just love seeing that maniacal Lex Luthor. A couple of my favorite things throughout this series, which I kind of mentioned already. Crypto is amazing. I love Crypto so much in this series. He is just such a good boy. <laughs> he really is. I don't know if it's in the first couple of issues, and Connor's just in the middle of class. He notices Connor's being depressed and goes and grabs his rogues gallery and just drops it off in the field. And Connor's like, what are you doing? And then has to like, I have a secret identity. You can't just grab my random rogues from like Hawaii. I haven't seen these guys in years. Has to like go and return them back to jail. Talking about scavenger, king shark, and Kamehameha from <laughs> his time in the 90s in Hawaii when he was the hero of Hawaii. So fun. But between that and Ma Kent, angel as ever, we see the first night of Connor like staying in the farm and he's like, I know it's like a lot to ask of me staying here. She's like, are you kidding me? Like Jonathan hated a quiet house. This is such a pleasant gift. I can't thank you enough for that. And then she's like, shows him Clark's room. And she's like, thank you for everything, Mrs. Kent. She's like, you live under this roof now. You know what to call me. He's like, thanks, Ma. It's just an amazing run. It's very cute. Pretty much sum it up. I loved it. And plus the art is beautiful. Manipal did an amazing job, especially with like a Midwest sunset, starry night skies. Like, it's amazing. Also props to that colorist because they really got the colors down, like you said, for like that country style, like more of the earth tones with the yellows and the browns, but they're not muddy. They're they're vibrant. They're vibrant. It's more like kind of like a hay color throughout most mm -hmm. of it. So it's still kind of that golden. It's beautiful. Especially all those shots of Connor just flying across fields. Just <sighs> I love it so much. 
Issue two is my favorite. Cover is a nice, like, full moon, starry sky. Connor and Cassie are on a floating picnic table with cryptos holding it up underneath. <laughs> but couldn't Connor technically just put his foot on it and TTK it up? But we've, I mean, at this point, could. kind of forgotten that he has that ability. Ever since he actually joined the Teen Titans, he didn't really use his tactile telekinesis that much. I think that was a Jeff Johns thing. Because he started to gain more of his Kryptonian powers at this time. This is when he's gaining his heat vision, his x-ray vision, his super hearing and all that. He didn't really have need of it, but if you think about it, he's stronger than Superman. With the telekinesis, yeah, technically. But yes, it's an amazing series. I highly suggest it. It's from 2009, so you don't have to deal with aggro, rage, New 52, abomination, meaning of Connell Superboy that you did with New 52. (laughs) And I would like certain writers to take notes of how he was written here and possibly portray it in a current run that has Connor Kent in it. I'm not going to mention names. This is Positive Vibes Only episode, and I'm going to leave it at that. How positive of you. Thank you. It's positive tips (laughs) for a positive future. (laughs) And now, Muse, can you please enlighten us with your story? All right. I was originally going to do the Rebirth Superman run by Tomasi. Still technically recommend. But I was like, Joe's already covering Superboy. I think that's enough Metropolis bright, happy sunshine. Hell yeah. Well, that's your opinion. (laughs) Down with Metropolis. <laughs> I actually sent him a letter in Animal Crossing and said Gotham is better. He told me. What did you respond with? I said nothing like a swell glass of clean Metropolis water to start your day on the right foot. <laughs> How's that water supply treating you? Uh, so I decided to go with the Marvel angle of things so we can get a little bit of, of some of the... A little variety. A little variety, but at this point, it's me and Marvel just go hand in hand. Not surprising. But my story isn't as ridiculously just heartfelt and wonderful. This is just one of my favorite stories that I've read multiple times. It is The Young Avengers, and this is only volume one. What's wrong with volume two? Everyone knows there are characters that, as we're currently experiencing, previous runs, like Old Young Justice, Teen Titans, Adventure Comics have been great, and sometimes writers get a hand on certain characters or IPs and they don't do such a good job because they push their own agenda. That's typically the issue. (laughs) So, Young Avengers Volume 1 was written by Alan Heinberg, and the artist was Jim Chung, and later on was also drawn by Andrea DeVito, and the colorist is Justin Ponzer. So this story takes place after the original Avengers disband. So this is taking place after the event Avengers disassemble. I haven't really read it. After like the major event, there was like a huge explosion at Avengers Mansion. Ant-Man died. Hawkeye was presumed dead. Most of the Avengers just kind of split off to their own thing because they're like, we are a huge target in the middle of New York City, like right off of Central Park. They didn't have the tight security and they all disbanded. A young boy named Nate needs help from the Avengers. I'm not going to spoil too much about this because there's a lot of really cool intrigue with this series. I'm just going to give you some of the brief overviews. Nate is trying to warn the Avengers of an impending attack by King the Conqueror. He's trying to go to Stark Tower. He's trying to find Captain America, any Avenger, and no one will listen to him. So he goes to the old ruins of the mansion and finds the dead body of Vision and kind of hacks into Vision's protocols because he has some techno abilities. Finds that Vision had compiled a list of enhanced young people that could potentially become the new Avenger, just in case something did happen to the Avengers. So he finds on the list Eli Bradley, Billy Kaplan, and Teddy Altman. So it's kind of like a guy squad for a little while. 
their entire mission is to kind of act as like a big red flag, like, hey, Avengers, hi, we need help. We can't do anything and there's a major issue going on. So Nate kind of with his techno powers becomes Iron Lad. So he becomes like the personification of Iron Man. So they all start taking on aspects of major Avengers just to kind of like scream at them like, hey, oh, we're the new Avengers. We're the young Avengers, which is what they get titled later. Eli, his grandfather, was actually one of the previous experiments before Steve Rogers actually got the perfected serum. They were testing it on African-American soldiers, and his grandfather was one of them. Yeah, surprise! So his grandfather was actually a Captain America elsewhere. So Eli took up the mantle of Patriot. Billy Kaplan had some magical abilities where he shot lightning out of his hands, mostly, or summoned down lightning. He can reality warp. Read Children's Crusade. If you like this, go read this secondary stuff. And he becomes Asgardian. So he flies around, has Asgardian-styled wing helmet. So he's Thor. And Teddy Altman is a shapeshifter. Because he can shapeshift, he becomes Hulkling. So he kind of takes on a green appearance to imitate the Hulk. Their first mission, they save some people from a burning church. They're the idiots that caused the burning church. They were trying to do something else, and they were practicing around Avengers Mansion. (gasps) Billy's lightning hit the church, and they ran in and saved the people. And they're like, well, that worked out better than expected. I love how just accidental a lot of this is. They're teenagers. So a lot of teenager series, we get, like, the Teen Titans, and they're usually pretty well put together. Like, most of them are well-established sidekicks. These kids don't know what they're doing. They're being trained by another teenager. So it's them really trying to learn and trying to understand their team building. As they burn down churches? I don't (laughs) know if I'm on their side now. (laughs) It's the funniest thing, but if you think about it, if you have a bunch of powered kids, most of the times their teams are usually overseen by another adult hero or some kind of agent. They're usually not run on their own. And even though the Teen Titans, it's like, oh yeah, Dick Grayson was kind of running the Teen Titans, but they were still kind of overseen by other well-known heroes. These are kids that just got pulled into this, and they're trying to just act as a beacon to the Avengers, like, hey, we need you guys to come back, because we don't know what the heck we're doing. Because we burned down churches. You better come get your kids, Avengers. They're causing mass terrorist acts. <laughs> this sounds like Eobard Thawne's plot. It's like, how do I get my hero to come notice me? I'm going to disrupt things. But because, ironically, it was late at night, so there was no actual church service, but there was a wedding rehearsal going on. I know that our next character, Kate, who eventually becomes Hawkeye, she's a oh, massively she... well-known character, so a lot of these characters have gotten massive runs later. She is one of the bridesmaids, and she's heiress, and she's bored, and she notices that this team of heroes doesn't have a single girl on it, so she starts to sleuth and finds out where they are, and is like, I'm joining your team, and they're like, uh, excuse me, this is boys only, and it's like, when did this become a boys club? And her just stomping her way in is one of the best things, because that's just Kate. She takes up the bow and arrow. She's like, eh, I went to camp up in, it's like that really well-known summer camp in New York. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Up in the Catskills? I think it's also like a music camp. I don't know. She took archery there and she's like, I'm fine. And then it's like, oh, she's actually surprisingly well-good archer. 
and starts to join up with them. And another person turns out to be Scott Lang's daughter. Somehow gets pulled in. I can't remember how, but she apparently can grow herself without using the devices. She's infused with pen particles. Mm. She joins their little ragtag group, and of course, they get the attention of the Avengers. They stop Kang, and the Avengers are like, mm, you guys need to get deassembled. Like, you're children. You can't do this. They don't stop. They make their own little team. Kate being kind of like the de facto leader. She's the one with the money. She's kind of their Batman. She gets them new outfits. There's like a new hub for them to hang out with. You never actually really see it because most of the action takes place out in the streets. And Billy, of course, changes his name from Asgardian to Wiccan because if they find out his orientation, Asgardian would have been a thing because he's gay. <laughs> so they would That's have been why he changed jokes. it? That's why he changed it. Oh, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Someone wrote that. Someone thought, I have to put this in to a comic <laughs> in front of strangers. They didn't actually say the so name. Far, they implied two it. strikes for V. Burning churches <laughs> and Asgardian writing. Also, let's rewrite Captain America's origin to be horrifying. Let's Agent Orange this shit. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Let's ruin everything. I think this is going to be a no. <laughs> so the line is, so Billy, about your new code name, Billy's like, why do I need a new code name? It's like, because you're not an Asgardian, you're a warlock, which in truth he is. Plus, you need a new name that won't become a national joke when the press finds out about you and Teddy. And he's like, I definitely need a new code name. <laughs> I just want to know, did they plan that when they made him Asgardian the first time that they were going to have that punchline later? Because I don't if they know. do. I think that counts as a hate crime. I really don't know. <laughs> stupid names, like, once again, so naming aside. But it's like my, my favorite characters having, like, name changes all the time. And some of them very dumb. But I really like the dynamic with the characters. They're just a bunch of fun teenagers. A lot of the banter is great. Teddy and Billy are just massive comic book nerds themselves. They've been fanboys of the Avengers, so them getting to be a part of all of this is just uh, ecstatic to them. So whenever things usually come up, they're the ones that tell them what's going on. Like, oh, that's such and such. And it's like, how do you know? It's like, nerd. I like how it's a brand new group and it's not just taking from other heroes that have already existed. Marvel's done actually surprisingly a good job with a lot of their new superheroes. Granted, this was written back in like 2006, if I recall. As I mentioned before, my two favorite heroes are from this group. I love Wiccan and Hulkling to death. They're great characters. I like how you see them growing throughout this entire run, even into the sequel series, which is Children's Crusade. A terrible name. Honestly, it's a bad name. <laughs> it's like saying Ugandan child soldiers as a group. They're like, well, we just decided we'd call it uh, who's that guy, the warlord that everyone tried to stop? Coney? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> God. But Children's Crusade, yeah, it's an odd, <laughs> odd name, but it's Billy and Tommy trying to find their mom, who, surprise, is Scarlet Witch. So they're trying to find the Scarlet Witch. She's been missing after House of M because she said no more mutants, and about 80% of the mutant population lost their mutant ability. Right. So she went into, like, hiding because of all of this, and so they're trying to find her because she's their weird spirit. Mom, don't. I'm not going to explain it. You're going to need to read it to understand no, it. No, I remember. I remember. I didn't like it, but I remember it. I yep. just, I'm Wait. still hung up on Children's Crusade. I feel like I should have known this was a name that was floating mm -hmm. out there, but I'm just, like, now, all I can think about is, like, the actual Children's Crusade that ended up with a bunch of dead children. Oh, gosh. Like, uh, oh, 
why would you do that? It's like they know that this is wrong, but they're still gonna make it into like a, a thing. Either way, it's a really good story. It's a really good Young Avengers and Avengers story. Naming aside, I'll take it's your funny. Word for it. Yeah, doesn't sound like V's they go picking to this Austria, one up. <laughs> they're all in like hero outfits and they're trying to blend in. And Billy, being the warlock, uses his magic to change their outfits. And the first thing that he thinks of is putting them all in lederhosen's. And so they look like the Von Trapp family because he loves the sound of music. This boy. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, really? Who's like, the, the only thing I could think of. Heinberg. I don't know. But these are kids. No, that's fun. I'm sorry. I was totally raining on your parade and I shouldn't have been. <laughs> Some of it is ridiculous. But if you think about it, it is early 2000s, and there was, there was a bit of a lull, I think, in comics around this time, especially with Marvel. Marvel was having some struggles. Everyone was wearing denim in early 2000s. You get a free pass. It was a weird time. Wait, this was happening the same time as Jeff Jones' Teen Titans? Yep, 2006. Uh, same with Runaways. Runaways came out around the same time as well. I feel like Hulkling and all of them didn't really start getting pretty popular until, like, 2012. They had another run of Volume 2 was 2013. I think that's when they had a bit of a resurgence. Speaking of Volume 2, I'm just going to say the art makes most of the boys look like Justin Bieber clones. Oh. That is it. Mm. Yup. <laughs> I have it and I own it because I just continuity reasons. I just want everything Young Avengers. They're great. But most of their other stuff is pretty good. You can read a lot of the other characters like solo series and they're really important right now because Empire is coming out. So if you're interested in reading Empire and want some more backstory on Hulkling, then I would totally read Young Avengers, at least first volume because it will give you more information on him because the second half is the revelation of who Teddy's origins is. Surprise. He's half scroll, half Cree. He's not mute, so that's already well established. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I like the series a lot. I love these characters. Sounds very confusing for me, so I feel <laughs> like that will be on a wait list for me. I will say, like, even though I only like read a little bit of House of M and I didn't read any of Avengers Disassembled, I enjoyed this a lot because just it didn't matter. Like, yeah, it bounced off of that, but it was still pretty self-contained because it wasn't involved in too many events going on. Later on, the Young Avengers do have crossovers with the Runaways during major events like Civil War, Secret Invasion, and stuff like that, but I didn't read any of them and I just liked reading them because of the character interactions, because I love the Runaway characters, I love the Young Avengers, and they both came out at around the same time, so it was kind of Marvel trying to revitalize and make new young heroes, or heroes and with air quotes for Runaways kids. But you do like Runaways. You've read the whole I series, I love right? Runaways. I read the whole series. Joe, have you read Runaways? Nope. Never read any of these Marvel Runaways has a very interesting premise, and I really did like the execution towards the beginning. You should definitely mm -hmm. pick it up. Like, the first... I want to say you could, you could just read, like, the first 15 issues yeah. and be good. But, like, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. Once the whole thing with parents gets... <laughs> resolved... Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. Resolved. There we go. <laughs> there's some really good arcs later on like you meet other runaway kids so they start to kind of pick up other people i was gonna say the opposite as soon as the parent thing is resolved it's over put them in the trash and walk away <laughs> there was a really, there was a tone shift i still found it interesting because i like the care if you're like i still like these characters and i want to see where they're going continue reading it but later on especially i think it was around the very end once the art style changes over permanently get ready for some whoo, 
those stories that just make no sense and they're really weird because the main writer left at that point so yeah and they resolved it really weird but the current run with Rainbow Orwell is great she definitely brings it back to that old runaway style yeah another plug for another fun ridiculous series yeah you would bring up Rainbow Rowell it's either that or Teeny Howard like I expect a plug (laughs) what are they paying you Tell us the truth. I'm definitely going to plug more Rainbow because I love her novels. Teeny was great in Death's Head. Other than that, I don't know what she's doing with Strike Force. Oh, right. Girl. She's in Time Girl. Out. I forgot. She's focusing more on Excalibur. Probably. Oh, I didn't know. I've told you this. Well, I only retain like 10% of what you tell me. You know this. I do know this. And that's why I repeat myself. Thank you. Repeatedly. You're welcome. <laughs> but... That is all we have to say today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Court of Outlets. And let us know which comic you want us to cover next week. Make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Also let us know what are some comics that make you feel happy inside. Once again, everybody stay safe, and we will see you next week.